Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Phantoms of the Silver Screen Podcast, where we are going to jump into the animation of the novelization of the mind of Junji Ito. I'm one of your hosts, Rip, and as always... I am joined by the fully clothed. For now, Jumby. How's it going? Yeah. And like we said, we're jumping into Junji Ito collection, and we're in episode seven. And that this one left us kind of high and dry. <laughs> it's a it's a different one. Yeah. I won't say I'm I'm as disappointed as many who have seen this episode, apparently, but <laughs> I am left with a weird feeling, mm. like I'm being watched. Mm. <laughs> so do we cover the old records one, or do we cover the town without streets first? Let's go with the old records. It's pretty quick. It wasn't... So, like all the episodes, there's usually like two short stories per episode this one had a super short story at the beginning and then a really long strange journey for the <laughs> second half um but the first one we're talking about is in old records um how did you feel about this one overall before we like break down what happened i i really liked the story it was intriguing um i thought it was it was cool that there's no We'll see now when we talk about it, but like there's no scary imagery. There's no like weirdly drawn Miss Fuji or anything to scare you. The thing to fear in it is how far people will go to get something they want. That's that's what that whole episode's about. And that that is pretty cool. I like that concept. Yeah. So this episode, the manga version of it, or the short story was part of the House of Marionettes collection. Mm. So, it's interesting, like, I like, we never read the manga, or the short stories, or any of the light novels of any of this, just watching the anime, going through episode by episode, and all these episodes are kind of sporadic, because the House of Marionettes was like a couple episodes ago, but you can easily just jump like put them all together into one neat package of an anime and like okay all these are part of the house of marionettes so let's put them together mm-hmm. and all these are part of the slug girl um collection collection <laughs> so but the that wouldn't be the banner the banner character if i were to pick one like <laughs> slug girl she's the one that this whole collection is named after i would pick miss fuji yeah. <laughs> um but uh instead of doing that they're just taking I feel like they're trying to put two stories that fit together you know mm. sometimes they're like completely opposite sometimes they actually have a like a nice theme going on in conjunction with each other and sometimes we just have Suichun in one of the episodes 
Yeah, sometimes that happens. Every show has a downside. Filler episode. Yeah. <coughs> but so who's? I would not say skip this one because this. No, is... this is good. Yeah. This one makes you think. Yeah. I was. It also made me think of like how you're supposed to watch this show, because obviously we watch one episode at a time, and then we have a lot of time in between each episode. Mm-hmm. If I were to binge this whole collection, it would be a very different experience. I would That's be very. True. On edge. I just wouldn't feel good. I don't think this was meant to binge. Nah. Or like, even if it was in the manga form, the manga form, like you don't just read all of these stories at once. It's a very like casual thing. You know, since this is the beginning of the podcast episode, um, a lot of people were, I was reading in like, you know, comments and forums and stuff about the the house next door. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Or like, yeah. The neighbor's window mm-hmm. like they were very disappointed with the episode and you and i loved it because it was just so freaking out there but they were disappointed because just having that image of that woman and obviously it's not like a 3d or holographic um light novel you just see this image it doesn't move and you hear it talking and you're just like okay this is really freaky but once these the the people that were bashing it saw that she was trying to move the the stick across, it just ruined the whole thing. And they like that was so funny though. <laughs> the fantasy went away, and they're like, "Oh, pff, I'm not scared. Fuck this girl. Fuck this woman." You know what? It, you know what it is. They didn't like it because, like, obviously they read the manga beforehand, so obviously dubs never dubs. All right, they're watching the stuff. <laughs> All right, they're reading those subtitles. Obviously, they didn't learn Japanese beforehand. We <laughs> didn't do that. We watched the English version mm-hmm. to support some English voice actors just to mm-hmm. see how they do. Funimation. And we got the we got the hello, young man, oh, yes. and that made the whole episode for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We like that episode so much. We're gonna review it twice, apparently. <laughs> but that's just it the, feels like we're doing that now. The comment of like of that episode and i just i just find that you know like oh the book's always better like just trying to understand why people have that reaction and i'm trying to find that's another argument like um i can understand the book's always better with novels Mm because there's always more content in the novel than you could put on screen and your imagination's always going to be better than whatever somebody can come up with Mm -hmm. but like with manga and comic books it's like there's only so much you can fit in these little tiny you know <laughs> comics yeah they can definitely make something better on the screen obviously but i dig this <laughs> so that being said we didn't really read the manga for this we're just gonna mm-hmm. recap what happened and we start off with two friends hanging out together nakayama and Ogawa. And Ogawa owns an old-fashioned record player. And she has a record <laughs> with a blank jacket. So what is a jacket? It's a, it's what you put the record in to keep it safe. Yeah. But and usually like it a has... Sleeve. Like a sleeve. Yeah. And it's like... It has the album cover on it. Um... Usually, but for for whatever reason, this one doesn't. 
and Nakayama is listen and Ogawa are listening to this and it's just playing this weird haunting jazz there's no lyrics no nothing it's just the later on in the episode is called like referred to as scatting like just saying whatever comes out and and I love that they don't like explain it to us they they show it to us through action but it seems that these two girls are really into this song that they're playing Mm. to the point where um, Nakayama's like hey uh," like she keeps going over to her house to listen to the song and Nakayama's like you have to give me a copy of the song Ogawa's like no I'm not going to give you a copy of the song. And then she's like, why? It's a copy. All you're doing is putting it on another um, record. And I'll take it. I'll buy my own record player. You just just give me a copy. She's like, this song is so beautiful that if I... I feel like if I put on another record, it'll do, lose its beauty. And then Nakiyama starts getting like, like like the bargaining phase like okay well let me borrow it i don't trust you to 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 borrow this okay we'll do something man like go buy your own record for this you know like how the fuck am i supposed to buy it 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 doesn't it has it's a blank jacket there's no cover art and we don't even know who's saying this how the fuck am i supposed to do it like how'd you get this ogawa and ogawa says i'm not telling you you I would fight. love to know how Ugawa got this. Because <laughs> um, it's alluded to later on that she stole it. <laughs> yes. And Nakayama leaves Ogawa's place defeated. And we see Ogawa whisper to herself. It's like, I'm sorry, Nakayama, but you don't understand. I value this record more than I value my own life. If it were ever to go missing, I would lose my damn mind. I would hunt the person down who stole it, spend every cent I had to kill them. Thank God that's not the case. Let me go listen to my record. (laughs) And then Ogawa turns around, and the record's gone. (laughs) (gasps) (laughs) And then you you just see Nakayama walking, and you hear in the distance, Thief! And Nakayama just books it. And we got a chase. Nakayama and Ogawa are running. Um, Nakayama's being chased. Ogawa's catching up. N- Nakayama jukes and, and juts and try to get gets out of there. But Ogawa grabs a rock and throws it afar. Hits Nakayama right in the back. So Ogawa Serious throws. stuff going on here. <laughs> it's getting that was intense. Shocking. And I love the fact that, like, you you know these... There's something off about this song that will make these girls act this way. And they They're don't tell apparently us. Apparently <laughs> good friends. Like, so good that um, she chose to share this with her friend. Yeah. Like, not many people would do that. It's it seemingly everyone who hears the song is just, like, you know, obsessed to the point where they covet it above their lives. So why they why she felt the need to share it with her friend is beyond me. They must have been really close. <laughs> Not anymore. 
because Ogawa threw that rock <laughs> and hit Nakayama. Nakayama trips. Right in the spine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Drops the record. And as Ogawa's about to pick it up, Nakayama grabs the rock, stands up, and just swings for the fences on Ogawa's face. Her head slams, her the back of her head slams against the wall as a rock is being <laughs> met with with her face. And does it knock her out? They don't tell us. But Is she dying? Nah. Definitely if she's alive, she has a concussion. <laughs> I can tell you one thing. She ain't going to be throwing no rocks anymore. All right? That problem is solved. So she is we didn't see this part, but she she gets a blue tarp and puts it over the body. <laughs> so Nakayama leaves mm-hmm. and no, no um, regrets, no regrets. She's mm-hmm. just like nothing, nothing like nothing happened. She's not phased at all. She's walking. She even mentions like in a small comment that she's like, the only thing I can think of right now is hearing this song again yeah. and listening to that haunting song. That's all I really care about. So clearly she's obsessed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she doesn't own a record player. And mm-hmm. she's like, oh, where can I get the uh, a record player? And I'm like, you just killed your best friend. She had a record player. You had no problem <laughs> taking her record. Go get hers. Go go back, get the record player. Fuck it. Screw Nobody it. knows she's missing yet. You can get the record player and go. <laughs> that would been a good plan. Nagama doesn't work that way. She wants her own. And she goes to many music stores, but they don't have a record player. Until she um, wanders in, until she finds a place where she can buy one. She walks in. And she's like, oh... I would like to play this record. And the owner's like, ah, nah. I know there's a record player shop, but I don't want you playing old records. Wait a minute. That's a blank jacket. That's here. That would belong here. You're the one who stole it, aren't you? And she's like, no, I didn't steal this. And he's like, no, give it back. It belongs here. It is the property of this shop. And I will take it back. And he says, that record is worth more than my life. Which is exactly what Ogawa said. This is the worst case scenario for someone who walks into a store with something that they already had, (laughs) but is also sold at the store. Like, if you ever walk into a store with, like, a drink... (laughs) <laughs> or like a bottle of water and you want them to know that you didn't steal it. Yeah. <laughs> this is the nightmare. This is the nightmare that happened. Like you're walking around out with the bottle of water and they're like, oh, you didn't pay for that. Like, no, I brought this out. No, 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 no. You stole it from here. <laughs> and you know what? I care about that bottle of water more than my own life. <laughs> and they confront you on it. That's that's the fear. Yeah. And this is exactly what's happening to Nakayama. So presumptuous. Like, there's no other way she could have gotten that jacket. Is a very special jacket. It was white, you know? It's like, anybody can make that. So, the the shop owner 
gets angry and angry. He wants this record back. And Nakayama does the only thing she could do is take the record and run. And she wanders mm-hmm. into a random bar and we see the, the shop owner run pa- uh, like past her outside. He didn't see her walk into this bar. So she mm. she's good. She can lay low. She sits down and she sees lots of records on the wall and mm-hmm. she recognizes jazz being played and the bar owner is like hey what's up what would you like to drink she's like i'll take an orange juice and uh are you playing this song through a radio he's like nah actually we got a record player and then she's like record player and then we cut to nakia uh the bar owner taking out the record the jazz that he was playing and mm. he's like, all right, you can play whatever you want. Nope, no problem. Free of charge. She's like, okay. And then she puts down the record and plays it for everyone in the bar, which is the bar owner and some dude with very, very skinny cheekbones <laughs> sitting by the bar, presumably drinking. So, song plays. And we actually, the audience, got to hear this song. It's a beautiful song. And the images we see are a woman in a white dress slashed around her chest to her abdomen, bleeding out, (laughs) or, or dead, pretty much. Her eyes bloodshot, wide open, her lips barely moving. And she's in a recording studio. So the song ends. And the the patron at the bar, this dude with the skinny cheekbones, just info dumps everything about this song. He's like, oh, it can't be. But it is. The record in the blank jacket. Do you know? The history of the song. The song is legendary. Everybody's heard. It's a myth, pretty much. I never thought it actually exists, but here it is. This is the song by Paula Bell, a f- uh, jazz singer. She was... Do you know what she's doing? She's, She got stabbed and then recorded the song. Did... Did you understand what I just said? She died and recorded this song. She was already dead and she's scatting all of this out there. It's crazy and I must have it. (laughs) Song from the other side. Yes. That is a lot of information that that man knew. (laughs) It's information the audience needed to know. It's very convenient that she found the historian. (laughs) Of all musical instruments and artifacts in this bar. And to my knowledge, that seems to be the only record in circulation. Yeah, they've never found another ghost record ever. (laughs) And no one's ever wanted to make a copy of it or record it on their cell phone or anything. Uh, So Nakayama does the only thing that she can do. Like, Mm -hmm. like after... What if they make a... (laughs) 
What if they make a cover of that song? A cover. <laughs> Just like, like a that cover acoustic, band does it. Acoustic yeah. version. <laughs> it's just weird noises. Chrissy, this is for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too soon. So um, they pretty much like the three of them look at each other and Jumpy and I are like, oh, yeah, we know what's going to happen next. And immediately <laughs> they cut to Nakayama running for her life. And she gets cut off by this dude. So she runs, turns around. She gets cut off by the store, um, the bar owner. Um, no, I think even the, the record owner. The store the store owner is also out there. And yeah. he catches her. And he's like, hey, hey, get back here. And the store owner is the one that chases her down into the same alley where she fought with her friend. Yeah. And knocked her out or killed her. It's ambiguous. Probably killed her. And um, so she's the opportunity because she sees a bunch of logs. So she's like, let me run up these logs and go over the spot, uh, the wall and keep running. So they see the body. They see the tarp and think the girl's hiding. Uh, Nakayama's hiding underneath. They open it. It reveals to be Ogawa. And it's pretty much that she's dead. <laughs> um, yeah. So she tries going over the 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 wall with the logs, and then she sees the 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 cheekbones. Yeah, cheekbones, and he's staring at her. And then she says, "She's like fuck." She drops the record and slips, and we just see the blank jacket, the record slightly open, the bar patron grabbing it. And saying that he died for that record, it's worth more to than his life. And he goes off, and we hear the he, song. He's also there. like, "Up, oh, she dropped it. It's mine now." And he was like, "This was easy. I barely had to run." Hmm. It was <laughs> like, I don't know. He he was just in the perfect place at the right time to get it away from her and dispose of her all in one fails. Like swoop, it yeah. was crazy. He didn't have to do anything; he just stood there. <laughs> and the song's playing, and we see Ogawa's corpse, and then we slowly start panning down to all these logs, and we see Nakayama's body entangled in between all these logs, and it's clear as day, she's dead, lying next to the friend that she killed over this record, and the bar patron is holding it for dear life the end it's pretty good great story so i like nothing crazy nothing too scary if it if it was like five episodes in a row like this (laughs) i wouldn't like it but because it's just one episode i like that we had something that didn't have an overly creepy character to make it scary or overly creepy you know body gore or anything like that it was just the things people will do or something they desire the horror of like what men are capable of. Yeah. And, and women. Make a good point, then, right? Mm-hmm. Um the previous episode was the the sad one. The 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 long farewell or whatever. The lingering farewell. Yeah. Imagine going from the lingering lingering farewell to this episode. It's a good like yeah. like 
Lingering felt farewell brought you down, and then this one kind of just gets you back into the groove of this. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um. So the differences, right? Mm-hmm. And the manga, I'm gonna be that gay. <laughs> yeah. Well, the manga had so it's the the store owner owner the record store owner is pretty makes it pretty clear that he saw a, a young girl around her age steal the record um it's pretty much hinted at that that was ogawa so i like the i liked it in the anime where they didn't even reference it they just know it's like it was in the store it went missing and then nakanyama is just like well i didn't do it and you can kind of put it together yourself but one and I would like to watch this episode again to see if they do it but in the manga it says that um, when Ogawa dies mm-hmm. Nakayama thinks that she's still alive because she could hear the song being sung mm. that's so interesting she, they should have kept that and uh when uh when they run back into the alley and the tarp is over her the reason mm-hmm. the guy thinks that it's the girl hiding is because he could hear the song uh being sung in it when he pulls the tarp the music the ogawa is still singing the song and the kicker is it ends with the nakayama underneath the log the record shop owner walking around thinking that the the record got destroyed or something or like something else happened because it fell over to the other side but as he walks again away he hears the song and it's coming from nakayama this time they should have kept that they should have kept that they probably did we just we probably didn't recognize it hear it it's something know. that we could uh, if we ever, if the listeners are, haven't watched it yet, <laughs> something to look out for. You go back. Yeah, here's, I'm not going to do it. This isn't the type of show to rewatch <laughs> right away. <laughs> it's a very one and done episode. Actually, I'd watch. Um, but that, that's a cool, sorry? I'd rewatch uh, the, the window one, the neighbor's window over and over again. I love that one. <laughs> I'd probably watch Miss Fuji again. That's true. <sighs> the them singing the the song is a good touch of like showing the audience that they did die. And this is an otherworldly dead song, and you only sing it when you're dead. Because hmm. to us, we were like left a little ambiguous on whether or not her friend died when she, you know, hit her with that rock. Even though it's probably clear that. That blunt force trauma was going to do her in. But it would have been cool to get that confirmation in a very non-spelling it out for you way by having them sing the song. So the last thing is um, when the bar patron was spewing out the, the lore. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we got this much lore. I feel like we didn't. And I like the amount of lore we got from the, the episode. But it he says that Paula Bell on her way to record her 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 song she was hit by a car in front of the studio she refused medical help 
and wanted to be taken inside the studio to record, but she collapsed and died in front of the microphone. The staff heard her sing a beautiful song, um, and they thought it was her voice from the afterlife, and then they realized that they accidentally recorded it, and they said, fuck it, print it, and send it out. <laughs> that was it. Mm. I feel like we didn't get that much information, right? We did not. Okay. Even though he did a huge info dump during <laughs> that scene, we didn't get that part of it. And that is that is also a cool addition. Yeah. I feel like given how short this episode was, or this half of the episode was, they probably could have put all that in there if they felt like it. Maybe. I don't know the logistics of it, but it's animation. I mean, I feel like they could add those lines in. Maybe it was there in the original Japanese. Maybe. Mm. We'll never know. We'll never know. Damn, that's trifecta, right? There's the manga, then there's the sub, and the dub. <laughs> yep. There's a lot of <laughs> sources for this. It's like hearing a story that somebody told somebody that somebody told somebody else. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, that was the used record. And now to the other half of Junji Ito episode 7 it's the town of no roads also known as the town without streets noise <laughs> this has the main character called Psycho yep right love that name <laughs> beautiful name S A I K O Psycho Psycho probably a traditional japanese name but you know in english it sounds like the word psycho and we're immediately thrusted into <laughs> this episode with the statuesque face of Aristotle. And thank God, it's going to have <laughs> huge importance later on. So listen up for this. The theory is that if you whisper in someone's ear, you could actually influence their dreams even insert yourself into their dreams because it's your voice and they recognize it. And you can turn that to your advantage and manipulate the person. You heard it here first. Aristotle invented the movie Inception. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> so Psycho is having... Oh, this is going to be fun. Psycho's having romantic dreams about her classmate, Kishimoto. Hmm. Yeah. The Naruto author? Maybe. Um, but it's a boy oh. in her class. Her um So he's whispering into her ear, but she's already like like um She's having a lucid dream. Yeah, like she she understands what's going on. She's like, Oh, really? You're using Aristotle's th- uh, theory on me? Wow, I thought you were better than that. And then he was like, <laughs> he was just, uh, we're beyond theory at this point. If I'm <laughs> actually doing it. Yeah. Um, he's like, look, I'm a really shy person. I don't know how else to, to reach you. So I did this and I wanted to get you this ring and I wanted you to be my girlfriend. And before anything could happen, <laughs> a third person enters a dream and he's like, Oh, Hey, Sorry to interrupt, but uh, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> and he pulls out a knife, and they're like, "She's like, who are you?" He's like, "I'm Jack the Ripper." 
and he just freaking slashes and we don't know who he slashes but uh psycho wakes up and she finds an empty jewelry box next to her and we hear that the next day kishimoto was found on the street disemboweled we don't just hear about it we see it it was gross he was I'm 99% sure dead. <laughs> so, Psycho is with her family. And not only did she have that weird ass dream and find out that Kishimoto's dead, but she has no time to process all that because she has to confront her family about something really, really odd. Her family's been acting real weird. They are drilling holes in her walls to spy on her. And they all are like, that doesn't make sense for your family. Why would we do that? And I thought something sinister was going on. But when we go back to her room, she see we see a bunch of holes in the wall that look like they were drilled through and her patching it up. I believe the family. And I thought something's going on in her dreams that she doesn't remember. Maybe like Jack the Ripper pulls out a gun and starts shooting and an axe is like putting holes in the wall. I thought that too. I thought it was Jack the Ripper. Yeah. What it was, was her family are drilling holes in the wall to peep at her. Weird. And we see a hole being drilled. We see a finger go through. And Psycho puts her hand into a fist and just hammer punches the wall, hitting her brother's finger. We know it's the brother's finger because the the oh. subset the subtitle said Psycho's brother <laughs> pain. Ow. And then she went we- to go tell her, her her father about it, and he's in the room with her little with their with her little brother, and they're like just peeping in the closet. Was it the closet? I thought they were in the hallway. Some shit, man. Yeah. And like they were on their knees and they were like just staring, not saying anything. It was weird. And not reacting. Like I was like, what the fuck is going on? So she, she gets the idea to put a, a foldable wall. I guess it's the best way I could put it to block her side of the bed. So, you know, she could be in peace. So she lays down, but she hears drilling. And it's not coming from the wall. It's coming from the ceiling. So she stands up. She grabs a pen. And as soon as the hole's made, she jabs upward through the hole. And we hear somebody scream in pain. We knew who it was again because of the subtitles. <laughs> it said it was Psycho's dad. So the next day, we see Psycho's dad with a with a patch over his eye, and Psycho's like, "Dad, I'm sorry. Like, oh, what happened to your eye? I'm sorry that happened to you." And he's like, "No, it's fine. It's just something from work." But he's glaring at was, her with the one. He's eye. like, "I, I, I just got a sty." Yeah. It's like, no, you didn't, kid. And then she's like, oh, brother, I'm sorry I broke your finger. And he's like, 
What do you mean? You didn't break my finger. I got this from PE. Also glaring hard at her. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, all right. I can't, like, she's walking down the street, probably going to school or something. And she's like, I can't live there anymore. I need to leave. Where can I go? She's like, oh, I have an aunt that lives not that far from here. So she looks for a bus. There's no buses going into where her aunt lives. So she decides to walk. It must be the town over. (laughs) Which in Junji Ito is never a good idea to walk somewhere. Mm -mm. Strange people live on the street. And she already knows there's a serial killer out there. Or at least a murderer. Because (laughs) her prospective boyfriend was slaughtered. Yeah. So So very brave of her not to take a taxi. (laughs) She probably didn't want to spend the money. Probably didn't have the money. Yeah. So, as she starts walking, she starts realizing that the roads are becoming blocked with houses. She's like, wait, Mm -hmm. this street normally doesn't stop, and there's a house. And then she walks through to another street, and there's a house. Everywhere she goes, there's a house. And then she doesn't understand what's going on. But what we, the audience, pick up is that everybody that's in this town is wearing a mask over their eyes. <laughs> so it's like, oh, no, over their face. Like, think like a kabuki mask or like a gorilla mask, something. But they have an entire mask over their face. And this one man, he's like, hey, miss, you look a little lost. She's like, yeah, I'm looking for my aunt. She lives in this area. And he's like, oh, well, I'm actually going there myself. You could just follow me. And that's already a bad idea, but she's like, sure, let's do this. Um, This guy looks real familiar. <laughs> real sus. Mm-hmm. So he's, he explains to her that uh, in this town... In this part of town. Yeah. Or, like, you know, there's no roads, really, because the houses are being blocked. So you just open the house, the door to their that person's house and walk through. And <laughs> she just, Psycho obviously finds that weird, but, I mean, it is weird. But townspeople don't mind it. I guess you see people watching TV and people just walk through uh, somebody's house like it's no problem just to get to the other side it's a everyday thing and at some point they reach a wall of people and they're angry well they're angry because somebody closed the door and they're like hey you're, you're fucking up the flow of traffic open this door up mm-hmm. and they're like no we want our privacy just go around and they're like I've so, never heard something so selfish in my entire life. Wait till I get in there. <laughs> yeah. So they kick the door down, uh, tie the people up, and just were like, We're gonna make you regret making that decision. Mm-hmm. So Psycho this man just keeps walking and Psycho decides that she it's too much for her. This doesn't make sense. This the lifestyle is weird. And those people don't deserve that. So she unties them. And she's like, look, I'm trying to get to 
um, my aunt's house. She lives here. And <laughs> they're like, okay, thank you for helping us. She lives on this side of town. And that side of town is worse than here. Like, shady people live there. And there's a serial killer on the loose. So mm. watch out for that. I suggest you wear a mask. Now, if there's a serial killer on the loose and you give somebody a mask, I don't understand why you would give them one where they have to have one hand holding on to the mask. <laughs> it's it's not it doesn't have a band. It has a stick where you hold on to and cover your face. I'm like I mean, that's pretty I think it's pretty generous for like some stranger. They're giving away their precious masks, the only form of privacy they have. It's just so weird because now she has one hand being occupied. She can't defend herself that way. She doesn't need to. She has a mask. She's safe. <laughs> yeah. Now she puts the hand down. She's oh. over. <laughs> so she eventually makes it to her aunt's house. And her aunt is her not aunt the person. Wearing a mask. <laughs> you said she's wearing a mask? No, her aunt is definitely not wearing a mask. Yes. She's anti-mask. Yeah. So, her aunt is nothing like how Cycle remembered. In fact, she seems a little unhinged. Her aunt is only wearing panties. I could have said underwear, but you need to understand. You could have said underwear. You could have said that. You need to understand it's just panties. Yep. So... After Jumbie and I stopped blushing, we press play. <laughs> and that's that's right, we paused. <laughs> <laughs> Clean up the nosebleeds. <laughs> it is an anime after all. But we get the explanation. Cycle's like, Why why are you half naked? And she's like, Well, you see, it had to be done. Trust me, I was just like you when I first moved in here. I was on the second floor. I was covering myself with blankets. People were drilling through walls. You think there's any privacy here? There's no privacy. People just walk through your house all day. You could be doing anything. And believe me, when I say anything, it's anything. They don't care. Some people just linger. They want to stare. So I said, you know what? Why? Well, why hide it? And she decides to just be breasts out, panties on, new lifestyle. She's a, almost a nudist. She doesn't care. They want to see something. She hasn't quite committed. <laughs> She's still got the the undergarments. <laughs> and um, Psycho's like, why would you do that? You know, there's a serial killer on the loose. <laughs> and she's like, who cares, man? Is that, you know, your problem is, is that you have all these clothes on and it's clouding your judgment. How, you you won't be able to understand unless you take off your clothes. So. Very scary. Take off your clothes. No. <laughs> and she's like, you know, you just need to relax. Here, have an apple. Bare skin. It's very easy to take off. 
and Psycho's like, you're not the person I remembered. <laughs> and, and mind you, I don't think Psycho's aunt blinked once in this episode. No. But she's very gone. At the, that's the way I interpret it. This is somebody who broke to the point where he like she's not that she's forced to have this uh, mentality, but she she broke is the bet is like where she's at. She she broke mentally. She had to cope with her surroundings. So in doing so, she just became this weird. You have to be nude person, and everyone around me should just embrace my lifestyle. Yeah. Oh, and then my favorite part was just like, <laughs> like she's there sitting naked talking to Psycho, and some dude walks by. He's like, "Hey," and keeps walking. <laughs> just... She's like, "Hey, what's up? How's it going?" <laughs> and Psycho's like, "All right, um, I don't want to be here," and she runs away. Right at. Her aunt is holding a knife and it's like telling her she needs to 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 strip naked and she's like I'm I'm fucking gone. So she runs and when she turns a corner, she sees like people are looking at her. People are staring at her. And she's running for her life now. She turns a corner and she sees the disemboweled body of Kishimoto. She screams in horror and she keeps mm-hmm. running. And eventually, she she runs into a room where it's like the inside of all the walls and all the houses with nothing but peepholes and there's people just staring at it out through. But these people don't have regular heads. They have cone heads. Oh, no. And when she screams, they turn around. And I would say there's an eye in each part of the forehead of the of their cone head, and they all open looking at her, and she's like, "I need to get the fuck out of here." So, so she's gone, <laughs> mm-hmm. and she finally makes it to the river, which is uh, a landmark for her to like, okay, I can, I know where to go from here. But then she runs into the guy who helped her out earlier, and what a stroke of luck. And he's like, oh, let me help you out, you know. Let me take you through the the last parts of this. And she notices that he has a ring on. He's like, hey, that ring looks familiar. He's like, oh, yeah, it should look familiar. Um, why, don't you, why don't you put it on? My gift to you. And she puts it on. And he's like, oh, this fits perfectly. And he's like, yeah. I'm surprised you don't remember me. And he pulls off his mask and he's like, you know, if it wasn't for your boyfriend uh, getting in the way, I would have killed you. And then she starts screaming again. And it's it's Jack the Ripper. She's like, you're Jack the Ripper. He's like, you're damn right I am. And he pulls out his knife and he's like, I'm going to kill you. And suddenly he stops. We hear the sound of a knife plunge into a body. And Jack the Ripper drops. We see behind him is Psycho's aunt. And she's like, if you go under these houses through the river, just keep on the keep on the wall, you'll make it back home. And Psycho's like, 
please come with me, please. But her aunt simply walks away, doesn't say another word, and Psycho just walks back home, following the rocks on the river. The end. Now, this story was a bit all over the place, as you can tell. Yeah. Um, Jack the Ripper, with Freddy Krueger-like powers, yeah. was able to enter a dream and kill her love interest, Psycho's love interest, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. How he was able to do that, we never learn. We never figure that out. Nope. Um, some like to say that this whole episode was a dream. Which still doesn't make sense. So that doesn't fix anything. Yeah. Um, Psycho's aunt also went through a bit of a roller coaster of emotions. Like <laughs> at one point she's like, I want to kill this little bitch. I want to slice off her clothes or whatever. I don't know what she wanted. Mm-hmm. And then out of nowhere, she saves her and helps her, you know, get to safety. Yeah. Um, the Aristotle thing had like zero to do with the whole episode. It was, it was a kind of a. Like weird red, red herring a, like red herrings being generous because red <laughs> herrings are put there to like you know divert you from the trail so the mystery still surprises you this was just like a complete um i don't even know what to call it like they misled me yeah on purpose like it's just like hey the story's gonna be about aliens just kidding <laughs> it's a rom-com like i don't know uh, there's a lot to unpack here and it's it's um it's definitely a you know we get to see through the lens of what it's like you know to be a woman in a mm. way right <sighs> is that what they were going for i think so and since we we're both not women um or mm. we don't identify as women it's hard for us to just go and try to analyze this but Spare us. Humor us for a little bit as we try. I'll try because I didn't really interpret it as a woman-only experience. So, But it could be. I mean, I guess I could see how that is. She she lives with a family of perverts, right? I guess. And she needed to get out of there. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. First thing we were both like, oh, she's she's by herself. That's not right. Mm Mm-hmm. But... She was by herself, and what was the first thing she did? She trusted a, she trusted a stranger, a man nonetheless, who could have just, who navigated her through this weird town, and every, you know, every corner looked like a spot where he could just be like, "All right, I'm gonna kill you." And that suspicion was correct because he turned out to be a serial killer. Yeah, but he waited till later. Yeah, so he um, did guide her at first, apparently. <laughs> Psycho's aunt broke in a spot where there's no privacy, right? Everybody's trying to get a peek of what's, you know, under her clothes and all that stuff. So she's just like, you know what? Screw it. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to give you a show. She mm. she couldn't handle the the weight of that. I think the the anime was trying to like censor i think she was supposed to be completely naked they they gave they threw us the underwear to like the um, just so they can make it on the screen but i think she was just like a complete nudist who just broke under the pressure of everybody trying to look at her right Mm. uh 
and there's a lot we can more to dive into this part um because like i think this is relatable for any like human being like you have to imagine yourself in a situation where there is zero privacy Mm -hmm. and that's where the horror comes in i think that experience can be imagined by anybody anybody (laughs) with a brain yeah i i I agree with that too Mm -hmm. the one thing that and i heard this saying one time right um somebody said that it the look on my friend's face when i told him the reason why i don't take the stairs why why i don't take the elevator i always take the stairs and um he's like why do you always take the stairs and he's she's like there's no camera in the elevator and it hit him like that's there's no camera in the elevator he's like oh oh shit there's no security there so she always takes the stairs i may have gotten that wrong but that i get the gist that that whole thing played in my mind as we saw psycho navigate through this from her house all the way to her aunt's house and back you know she's a young Mm -hmm. girl without any sort of uh protection and she just got navigated into a worse and worse situation but like you said it's not like it's not relatable you know it's not not relatable like i can you can put yourself there yeah is what i'm saying like anybody can picture this scenario where you have no privacy and you're always being watched that would, that's just creepy yeah um but you know in your interpretation of it that works mm. i just didn't really have that in my mind as i was watching it not like i feel i also like... felt like the town was growing like this weird yeah. phenomenon was growing so there was really going to be nowhere that's safe eventually yeah the the creepy people in the inside the walls represent like perverts, you know, with like million mm-hmm. eyes. And um, her family, like, you could easily replace that with three male roommates. Like, maybe she was mm-hmm. living in a house of four, and there was three male roommates, and she had to deal mm-hmm. with that, you know. Mm-hmm. And maybe she put up with it to make rent, stuff like that. But as mm-hmm. uh, you know, like you said, town with no privacy or a cycle is a person that doesn't have any privacy and she was out there trying to look for some and when she tried thought she found some, it ended up being worse. Yeah. Which sucks. That's all that's scary mm-hmm. in itself. The first story was about I don't know if these two resonate with each other. The first story was about what people are capable of when they really desire something above all else. Mm-hmm. And then this story is about a world where privacy doesn't exist. Yeah. They're both not like, well, this episode did have like a scary monster in the form of those many eyed perverts, yeah. but the scary parts of both episodes were the, the concept mm-hmm. more than the body gore and stuff like that. So I, I, I think they do resonate with each other in that way. Yeah. Where there, the horror comes from the idea of a world like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They they don't contradict a lot, and they don't work against each other either. You know, mm-hmm. there it was cool to have those back to back. The whole story though of uh, 
a town with of no roads. Mm. They throw us off because it just ended with her walking her way back home. She she tried to get out, go out there and find a, a life of privacy. She found worse things, and then she's no has no choice but to go back to the situation I, she is in. I didn't even know she was going home. I thought she was just going on, like mm. moving out of that town. That'd be cool. And like walking and trying to escape this growing phenomenon of weird, like invasive people who like build over roads and stuff. Give it a happy ending. Yeah. yeah Not that's necessarily true. happy because it's going to keep growing, but yeah, you know, you're right. Her, her aunt said it takes her out of town, doesn't tell her it takes her back home. Okay. Yeah. So, like, she was trying to escape it, but it did seem like it was growing more and more each day. And it was spreading because it spread to her family who live, you know, at least a bus ride away yeah. from that town. So this, this disease, this like, <laughs> you know, many eyed pervert disease is spreading to everybody. That's true. And that's the other thing, right? Like you can, you can make the, the case that like those, those things inside the walls are the ones in control and they're mm. spreading that whole idea to all the towns and making it hard for people. I feel like her family was on their way to becoming those many-eyed people. Maybe. Because the just the look of her parents when they were like peeping on her outside the door, mm-hmm. they like they look like I don't know, like creatures that would live in the attic. They were just like staring up at her, unmoving, mouth open, just like mm-hmm. like just staring. <laughs> and I could see them becoming those many-eyed creatures. Yeah, and this this episode could have easily been about Jack the Ripper, a serial killer but who it, enters the dreams, but it went like left. That was the real red herring. Yeah, Jack the Ripper. <laughs> he did not matter. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, would you change anything about this? I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I would change the dream thing. I would cut that out and. I would use that footage for another story <laughs> that explores the dream thing. I feel like we're still going to get it. Yeah? Yeah. Because I think if they cut out the dream thing, this story stays the same. It's just like three minutes shorter. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. The first one, I wouldn't change anything. I liked it a lot. Yeah, me too. Oh, well, actually, you know what? I, I would make, if it isn't there already, I would make the dead bodies start singing that song. I like you mentioned from the manga. I kind of like it without it. I don't know. Why. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the only way you could hear that. Like I could, I do like the beauty of like everybody who's listened to the song dies, produces the same music. But mm-hmm. I also feel like there's just something like it makes the, the record that much more desirable if it can only be heard from the record. I like that. It's, you know, a sound off to let you know that it's a song of death and everyone who hears it is probably going to end up dead and singing it. True. I like that. It's almost like the ring tape, but a little <laughs> faster. Nice. <laughs> it's not seven days. It's like, you're going to die. <laughs> Pretty soon. Probably because of your own hubers. Yeah, like Ogawa didn't have to show it to Nakam- uh, Nakayama. Yeah, but she did. <laughs> and Nakayama didn't have to play it in the bar. But she did, because she can't think. They can't even think logically. All they can think about is hearing it and getting that fix. And, like, 
it probably does, an analogy for drugs and like mm-hmm. yeah and that nowhere does anybody like stop and like oh they're obsessed with this it's and or like i'm obsessed with this it's very much like yeah i need to listen to this i can't even think about eating right now all i want is to hear the song yeah that's the vibe i got Cool. So which one would you say did you like better? You know, I do think I liked um, Old Records better. Yeah, I think I like that one the best. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe with another viewing, I like um, Town of No... Oh, it's not like I didn't like Town of No Roads. I like Town Without Streets. Yeah. It was just a little muddled, but it was good. Yeah. Cool. Well... With all that being said, any last words, Jumbi? Aristotle said some shit. Aristotle said some shit indeed. And with that, we conclude another episode of Phantoms of the Silver Screen podcast. Thank you for joining us. If you like what you heard, check out any other stuff we may have. <laughs> um... And give us a like, subscribe, follow, anything to show us that you love us. Because you know what? We love you. And we'll always appreciate you. Until next time. Bye.